been really weird weather around here, and we've all been in this funk. We've, we're like looking at the calendar and going, this is not normal, this is not the time of year that this is supposed to look like this, and, and yet it does. So what do you do? You just wake up every day and you have to adjust. You have to get used to what life brings your way, and you have to uh, deal with it, right? And uh, move on and be depressed. No, I'm just kidding. Well, this, um, this last couple weeks, we've been talking about God encounters. We've been talking about this whole concept of what does it look like in the life of a person or a human being that encounters God? How does it affect us? What is the result? What takes place? Last week, Dustin did an awesome job of sharing with us the life of a guy named Paul and his conversion and what happened in his life when he encountered God. He talked about how our history sometimes is something that many of us are afraid to embrace and afraid to allow God to use in our life. And yet God, in spite of our history, when we encounter God, he uses it to make something that's just beautiful and amazing. Nothing's off limits to God. Absolutely nothing is off limits. He will use anything that we give him. He is, the Bible says, like a potter, and we are a clump of clay. And, and the potter doesn't care if the clay has been manipulated, if the clay has been damaged, if the clay has been thrown on the ground and gotten soiled and dirty. The potter is going to take that clay and make what he believes is his masterpiece. And that's the thing I love about God is that no matter what I give him to work with, he makes something beautiful out of it. It's pretty crazy. One of the things that we've learned in the last couple of weeks is this whole concept of when a person encounters God, the result is that we become followers. We become disciples. We become literally pupils of Jesus. We become students of him. In other words, we don't just settle somebody else's experience. We truly want to learn it for ourselves. I, I, you know, have a lot of people in our lives right now that are graduating this week from school. If you guys got somebody graduating in your family, would you just give it up for them right now? Come on, show them some love. Graduation in school is one of those, it's kind of one of those big deals because it doesn't matter if you got good grades or bad grades. It doesn't matter if you listen to the teacher, if you threw spit wads in class, it doesn't matter. If you can make it to graduation day, it's all good. Everybody's in the same deal at that point. You all get the diploma. And uh, some of us barely, I mean literally, barely got the diploma. But it's one of those things where when you're a student of Jesus, you're in school. And many times we don't understand the concept that we are, we are engaged in a pursuit of learning what it is to follow and to know God and to become a pupil of Him. And so tonight we're going to take it a little bit deeper. If you have your Bibles, look with me at the book of Matthew. I'm going to read you some chunks of scripture tonight, and uh, we're going to allow God to speak to us through his word. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, I'm going to start reading. It says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really wolves that will tear you apart. You can detect them by the way that they act. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you don't pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. A healthy tree produces good fruit and an unhealthy tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. 
Yes, the way to identify a tree or a person is by the kind of fruit that is produced. Because not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me, meaning Jesus, as Lord, but they are not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my Father in heaven. You see, on judgment day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we performed miracles in your name. But Jesus will reply, I never knew you. Go away, because the things you did were unauthorized. And anyone who listens to my teaching, Jesus' teaching, and obeys me is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it will not collapse because it's built on the rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish. It's like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it'll fall with a mighty crash. After Jesus finished speaking these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught as one who had real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. In this passage here, as Jesus is wrapping up this monumental sermon, this, this time where he is just exposing so many things about us people and about the heart of God and the heart of man, he gets to the end of this story and he starts talking about something that's really, really critical for us to understand. He starts talking about this concept of what he calls fruit. Now, fruit is something that we living around here with vineyards everywhere have a pretty good understanding of. We drive past vineyards. We drive past orchards. We live in the Central Valley where it's an agricultural haven. We understand this concept of fruit pretty well because we live all around it. But when Jesus was talking about fruit in this analogy, and it's throughout Scripture... He's talking about something quite different than an actual physical fruit. He's talking about what our life produces. He's talking about the demonstration. He's talking about the outcome. He's talking about what's on the inside of us being evident on the outside of us. He's talking about what our life produces. If I ask you tonight to think about your life where you sit right now, it doesn't matter if you're a spiritual person. It doesn't matter if you're... It doesn't matter. Just a general question as a human being. What has your life produced? Many of us right now, our answers would be all over the place. Our answers would range in, in diversity from, you know, I've made a lot of money to I've fathered a lot of kids to um, I've, I've accomplished a lot in my hobby or in my career or in whatever... We would have a lot of things that we would point to and we would say, that's what my life has produced. That's the evidence of my life. But you see, what Jesus is talking about here is something that can't necessarily be seen on a list of things that we can just check off. Like, like I've accomplished a certain number of things, like a bucket list. We've all heard of that. Where it's like, you know, before I kick the bucket, I want to make sure I get these things all done. It's like, it's not something like that. The fruit that he's talking about is something that's much deeper. If I were to ask you tonight, what is the fruit of your words? How would you answer that? What's the effect that you cause on people around you by your words? What about your choices? What's the fruit of your choices? 
The things that you've done in your life, how has it affected everybody else around you? Many of us in this room tonight are in recovery. And those of you that um, don't think that you belong in recovery, then you're in what we call that are in recovery denial. Because we all need recovery. It doesn't matter if you're addicted to a substance or not. We're all a mess. And so those of us that understand recovery a little bit understand that there's this concept at some point along recovery's journey that's called a personal inventory. You guys all familiar with that? Where basically my interpretation is that you take an inward look at your stuff. You look inside and you see the effects of what it's done around you. You own the fruit of your life. And you've got to make choices. You have to make amends. You have to do all kinds of things. And in this story, when Jesus is talking about fruit, it's really interesting because he's talking about people that looked like they got their stuff together. And he contrasts these two people in this story. He starts talking about bad trees and good trees, healthy trees and unhealthy trees. He starts talking about the fact that you can know how a tree is truly by what it produces on the outside. And then he goes right into this religious talk of how there's some people that act religious, but they don't have a clue what the fruit that God is asking or the fruit that God is producing is all about. And they may look religious. They may sound religious. They may go through the religious motions. Our society, our American culture is steeped in religion. We all embrace religion. We all have a certain set in our mind of what religion is all about. And we all think we know how to get to God. But Jesus comes in and he's just like, if you really want to understand this concept, it comes down to one thing and one thing only. Do you listen to my teaching and put them into practice in your life? He summarizes it by saying, if you do that, then you're like a guy that builds his house on rock. When everything comes your way in this life, your life is going to stand. If you ignore my teaching, it's like a guy building his house on sand. When the stuff of life comes your way, it's all going to crumble beneath you. It's all going to be left wanting. It comes down to two things. Listening and following. Are you listening to God? And are you following what He says? Everything else is crap. So those of you, those of us sitting here tonight that think that you know about religion and you think about you, you think you know about how to get to God and you've got to set rules and you've got to set regimen and you've got to set way of you doing it. My only question is, are you listening to Jesus and following what he says? Because that's what it's about. It's about being a disciple of him, a student of him, a pupil of him, a follower of Jesus. In the book of John, Jesus talks a little bit more about this concept of fruit. And in John chapter 15, he gives us some really, really clear words about the spiritual fruit that he's talking about. He says, Jesus is talking and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And my father, he cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. And then he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Jesus says, you have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message that I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. 
And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, then you may ask, you can mask any request you like and it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to my Father. In this, in this passage in John, Jesus says it exactly like you and I need to hear it. I love it when he just cuts to the chase. He says, you can't do it by yourself. Now that's easy for us to hear. But the reality is, that if we're honest, many of us think that we can produce fruit by ourselves. As a matter of fact, many of us think that there's steps to take to produce fruit in our life. As a matter of fact, there's many of us who, when I talk to you, you ask me point blank, Jason, what do I got to do to this, 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 and this? See, you and I are wired to want to know what the formulas are. We're wired to want to know what the steps are that I'm supposed to follow. We don't like vagueness. We don't like mysterious things. We don't like to have to figure stuff out. We want it spelled out and we want to know what to do and we want to know what the end results are. And Jesus says over and over and over that if you want to follow me, the first step is you have to deny yourself. You have to repent of allowing you to control your life. Now that doesn't make sense to me. I've been controlling my life my whole life. That's what I do. I don't understand, Jesus. How am I supposed to give up what I've spent my whole life pursuing? My ambitions, my dreams, my agenda, my way of doing things, the things that I need, the things that make me happy, the things that I've studied for in school, the things that I've... Jesus is like, there's an issue here. When you come to me, you come empty-handed. You don't get to bring all your stuff with you. You don't get to bring all of your accomplishments with you. You don't get to bring all of your awards and all of your ideas and all of your aspirations with you. You come empty-handed and then you follow me. And I teach you a new way to see life. I teach you what the kingdom looks like. I teach you a new value system. I teach you that if what you think has been up is up, I'm going to flip it upside down and it's going to be at the bottom. I'm going to teach you that if you want to be first, you've got to learn to be last. That if you want to be the top, you've got to learn to be the bottom. I'm going to teach you that the greatest among you is the least of all. In other words, Jesus says, I'm going to teach you humility. And so as we come to this concept of fruit, once again, we come to the gospel and then we try to add our way of doing things to it. We come to Jesus and we say, thank you, God, that you sent your son to die for me and to, to pay my price so that I could have salvation. And now that I have been brought into the family of God, thank you, God, that I know how to take it from here. Thank you, God, that I know how to do the good stuff. Thank you, God, that I... No. Paul wrote in the book of Galatians to this church... He's like, what is going on over there? You guys are screwing the gospel up. You're adding all of this stuff to it. It's not about that. And my friends, 
When it comes to fruit, the biggest temptation that you and I have is to think that we can manufacture it ourselves. And there's only one way that we can produce fruit, and it's by being connected to Jesus and allowing His fruit to come out of us and to come through us and to be attached to Him. Now, those of us that live around the Central Valley and are familiar with farming or agriculture or anything, I'm going to give you a little homework assignment. Tomorrow, when you have some free time and you're driving around enjoying this beautiful weather, you know, whatever, Memorial Day, you need something good to do, I'm going to ask you to go to the nearest grapevine that you can find. They're everywhere. You can find a vineyard. Just pull over to the side of the road, and I want you to walk up to the closest vine that you can find, and I want you to put your ear right up next to the branch, and I want you to listen, because what you'll find is that that branch is grunting and straining and trying to squeeze a grape out. No. There's no straining. There's no aggression. There's no constipation. There's no, ah, I gotta, no. What you will hear is silence because that branch is connected to its life and all it's doing is existing and allowing the life to move through it. And there is no greater joy that you and I can experience than to literally feel the pulsing life of God move through us. Because our bodies are tired. Our minds are drawn away to the, the closest temptation around us that we are drawn to. We are weak in and of ourselves. And there is nothing more awesome than to feel the strong, powerful, pulsing force of God, the life of God flowing through you as a branch, just being connected to Him, just being allowing Him to produce that fruit through you. When we look at our fruit tonight, and we think of this concept in the book of John where Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do really anything. Really, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that our life does produce results. We know that with every choice there's a consequence, good or bad. We know that there's all kinds of things that our life has produced that we can point to. But what Jesus is saying here is that when you're connected to God, the fruit looks different. The results look different. They are totally of a different concept. In the book of Galatians chapter 5, there's actually a list here of what the Bible calls spiritual fruit. And many of you have heard this passage before, and you understand what this looks like. But I want you to think about it a little bit differently tonight. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, it says, When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, then He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Think about that list with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I don't know about you, but there is several of these things in my life that I wish I had more of. Several of these things that when I look at this list, I go, 
You know, if my life just had that, oh man, patience, are you kidding me? Kindness, self-control. Here's the thing that I want you to think about with me. That many times you and I don't really quite get. This room right now is really diverse. There's people in this room that come from all kinds of different backgrounds. I'm talking to people right now who some of you have been a part of church longer than I've been alive. There's some of you in this room who this is your first time that you've ever encountered any kind of a spiritual connection or a spiritual environment ever. And you're just like going, what is all of this? And everybody in between. And I'm really aware of that. But here's the thing that all of us need to really understand when it comes to this concept of fruit. Fruit takes a while for us to see. It takes a while. If you and I were to go to any tree or orchard or vineyard as we've been talking about tonight and we were to walk up to it and we were to look at the fruit that is growing on it and we were to look at that fruit at the wrong time of year our perception would be totally screwed up of what that thing is trying to grow see many times you and I when we think about fruit we think in terms of our instantaneous, microwavable, drive-through society. Where it's like, if you want to have good fruit, well, it's easy. You just go to church a couple times in a row and bam, baby, it's there. I don't know about you, but patience probably takes a little while. It probably is a slow cooker. We're talking crock pot here. This isn't microwave. There are things in our life that sometimes we want so badly right now. And when we don't get it, bad results happen. We get discouraged and then we quit. And then we sabotage ourselves and we start making decisions and choices that actually cut off that fruit that was growing beautifully. But it just wasn't ripe yet. If you've ever pulled off a piece of fruit that's not ripe, it's not going to get ripe. You've short-circuited it. And my friends, there are some of you tonight in your life journey that have been going through hell and you want to cut off what God is trying to produce in your life because it hurts too much right now. And I'm telling you, if you cut it off, it's not going to get ripe. You've got to hang in there. You've got to let it grow. You've got to let it go through the hard seasons. You've got to let it endure. You've got to let it go through until the fruit is ripe. And when it is, there's nothing greater. Don't judge fruit out of season. Things take time. And as you look at your life and you think, you know, I don't know about this whole Christianity thing. I don't know about this whole being a disciple. I don't know about following God. This is all new to me. And I'm not really sure that there's anything in my life that even remotely looks like something that God can use. Don't. See, all of us are in the same place. 
All of us are going through the same things. All of us are walking through the same journeys. The circumstances may look a little different. The, the socioeconomic circumstances may look. Some of us are out of work right now. Half the church is without a job right now. We all know the pain. Half the church is working. We've got half the church that's been through horrible abuse in their life. Half the church is addicted to things right now. I mean, we are a hodgepodge of humanity in this room. And there is no consistency to our stories. We are a representation of everything that there possibly is known to man. So when we come to Jesus tonight and we say, Okay, God, what do you want from me? Because isn't that really the question that all of us want to know the answer to? God, what do you want from me? We keep coming back to that same place of, God, what do you want from me? And the answer is always the same. I want you. And we say, but God, I'm not worth anything. I have nothing to give that is valuable. And he says, I find value in you. It's not about what you do. It's not about what you produce. It's not about what you've done with your life. I find value in you. And my friends, when we begin to understand the worth that God sees in us, and we begin to understand how valuable He sees when He looks at us, makes us want to do two things. One, either fall on ourselves and our face and cry because we're so grateful, or run as fast as we can because we're scared to death because we don't deserve that kind of love. And the fruit of God that He wants for every single one of us, and this is the, this is the deal that you got to get, is that when He looks at us, He says, if you will connect to me, if you will connect to me, this is what I will do in you. I'm going to give you love. I'm going to fill you with peace. I'm going to fill you with joy. I'm going to give you patience and self-control. I'm going to fill you with faithfulness and goodness and gentleness. If you will connect to me, this is the result. If you will connect to me, this is what will happen in your life. How many of you in the last month have said, I just need some peace in my life? Yeah. I just need some peace in my life. The fruit of God is peace in your life. So we got to connect to him. You know, there's a, there's a cool proverb that I found this last week as I was reading about this whole thing about fruit. It says that the godly, meaning those of us that are connected to God, they're like trees that bear life-giving fruit. Think about that for a second. Life-giving fruit. Some of you, by your life, have given me life. Some of you, because of your stories that you've shared with me, you give me life. You encourage me. You help me. You, you help me to want to keep on going and doing the things that God is wanting for my life. Because your life produces that kind of fruit. It's amazing that God can use us like that, isn't it? It's amazing that God can take ordinary people and do extraordinary things through us when we give ourselves to Him 
and allow him to make that kind of fruit. When I think about the fruit of my life, and you think about the fruit of your life, sometimes it's easy for us to beat ourselves down and to think, God, I, I haven't produced much. There's not much that I'm proud of. There's not much that I can point to and go, that's a good one. It's not about that. It's about the life of God coming out of you and literally from the inside out changing your world. Not changing your circumstances. Because how many of you know that your circumstances are a crapshoot, man? They will be all over the place the rest of your life. God desires to change you through your circumstances. We're going to take communion tonight. I'm going to ask Ian and the guys to come back up here. And um, as we come to these, um, these tables where we have uh, juice and tonight we have crackers, many of us have found the power of connecting with God in this way. You know, I don't know when Jesus first talked about this dynamic of coming to a table and picking up a piece of bread and dipping it in juice, I don't know exactly if, if the way that he explained it is the way that we do it today, but I got to tell you that the point of the way he explained it was he wanted us to remember him. And he said, whenever you get together, I want you to take your eyes off of yourself I want you to take your eyes off of your brokenness and your sin and your shame and I want you to fix your eyes on me because I'm your healer. I'm the whole one. I'm the one that can love you no matter what. And as we do this, we do this every week and it has become such a, just a beautiful thing for us. As we take this bread and we dip it in this juice, we have a tangible physical sign in front of us of the broken bloody body of Jesus and, and the blood that was shed. And as we come to him, we remember, man. We remember why we need him. It centers our focus and it brings us back to the single most powerful thing in our life, the cross of Jesus. And how he made a way for somebody like me. Somebody that didn't have a prayer. He made a way for me to be able to get close to God. Crazy. And so every week, I come back and I say, God, thank you for making a way for me. And those of you here tonight that have never done this or that don't understand the power of it, it's simple. When you come, come with a heart of gratitude and say thank you to God. Many of us believe that God has our entire life, every single part of it, every decision that we make, we take into consideration what God would have us do. Everything belongs to Him. We believe that God even is in charge of our money. He's in charge of our parenting skills. He's in charge of our love life. He's in charge of everything. And so when we come to this table, we say to God, God, you can have all of me. And many of us worship God by giving our tithes and our offerings. And this is your time to worship God even with your money. To show God, God, you have all of me. And there's little tins here and there's a box on the back wall if you want to do that. But this is your time. This isn't a big corporate event. This is a personal moment between you and Jesus. And so as we worship, you can come 
and then go back to your seat or come to the altar, do something, but find a place with God and allow Him to speak to your heart. Allow Him to have you tonight.